and this is one probably one of the biggest lessons from this year is that not everybody went through this pandemic the same way. Right. And strengths from people shined further in this environment and weaknesses of people also <laughs> came stronger in this pandemic. So the people that were already struggling are struggling even more. Mm-hmm. And and people that you see the resilience and like the the perseverance to like just move forward also shines through more and you figure it out right like I have a one of the one of the managers that works with me she's single she's got two kids one of them with special needs mm-hmm. and I see her struggle every day as we're in like as we're in meetings and it's a mindset her mindset is I'm gonna make this work Right. Like no matter what, like this is going to work. And ultimately it all comes down to that. Right. It's 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 your state of mind. Like where are you and where you're going to be? It's only up to you and the obstacles that you bring to yourself or opportunities that you bring to yourself. Welcome to another episode of Ad Blocking with Jason Dwayne Smith. The world around us is, well, different. We're living in a time that tests all of our boundaries and beliefs. It's not always easy. And sometimes, talking about ads is the last thing any of us want to do. Ad Blocking is a podcast, a safe space where real people. Real marketers talk about everything but advertising. Stories of growing up, coming out, falling down, and looking in. Underneath it all, we're all just humans. In today's episode, I speak with Edna Uribe, Vice President and Director of Sales at Univision Communications. Edna has one of the most unique and inspiring stories our industry's ever heard. From her love of flamenco, growing up in Chicago and Mexico, traveling the world, and making some big, tough decisions in both her personal and professional life. Edna's paved the path of determination, passion, and success that only some of us can dream of. It wasn't easy. In Edna's tale of optimism, is one I hope you all enjoy. And with that, let's dive in. I am, I'm looking for the book. I am actually listening to a book that is called, um, Surrounded by Idiots. Have you heard of this book? I have not. So for me, I picked up the book because it talks about these four personality traits of people. And there are many books like this, Edna, but they sort of break them down into four color categories. There's a red, a yellow, green, and blue. And if you can imagine it, pretty simple. You know, red is 
more of the A-type hot-headed personality down to blue, a little bit more insular. And they try to talk about the fact that sometimes people like me can look at people as maybe being idiots or not being smart or just what's going on in your head. But they have a different way of thinking, have a different way of behaving, a different way of participating. And I'm reading the book because I've been on this journey in 2020, Edna, to think a little bit more compassionately about other people's perspective. Um, I have certainly been guilty of being very committed to my own beliefs. But I think something about this year has just made me realize that there's so much more complexity to how we all engage with each other. So maybe a good kicking up point for us is I invited you to the podcast because I, while you're probably not reading a silly book called Surrounded by Idiots, you're probably doing a lot of self-reflection. You've always presented yourself to me as someone that is just brilliant. I use that word selectively. I remember when we met, uh, this was for a Chicago Ad Federation um, event that we were doing. It was the Summer Mixer. And we were trying to coordinate and I didn't know you that well, and I'm still getting to know you. But as we work together, I, I go, Edna is extremely organized. Like I need to get my stuff together. <laughs> like She is like, so everything is done perfectly. Well, perfectly, but done, done very well with a lot of intention. And so that really made me want to talk to someone like you, Edna, because I know that the way you live your life is very intentional. And whenever I hear you talk about our industry, your family, your work, your life. I hope that this adjective is welcome. The adjective I like to think of is very passionate. There's just a lot of courage and a lot of intention in how you approach people. And so I wanted to ask you, Edna, as we start the conversation, you know, I love to get a peek into this year. Broad question, 2020. You know, how has 2020 really impacted or affected the way that you think about the energy that you bring into the world? It's a pretty loaded question. Um, and yet it's kind of easy to answer at the same time authentically. It's been, in one word, a roller coaster. Um, I think the year started very differently. And my expectations of 2020 were completely in a different state of mind. I think we all were. And um, I'm gonna go back a little bit in terms of why, specifically for work. So I, I know that you know this, or maybe not, but within the organization that I lead, I, I have over 30 people under me. And mm. some of them are direct reports, some are reports of my direct reports, and some are reports of my reports of my direct reports. And so there are different layers, right? And therefore different personalities, but we were all in the same setup of the office. I mean, we've always been in the office, but something very special that we did this year earlier in February is we went to Spain. And it was very important for us to deliver in a very high quality experience level for all of our clients, specifically because we wanted to showcase not just our culture, but like how important are the different facets of what we sell within Univision. And one of them was sports, specifically soccer, talk about passion. Like this is like full on passion. And we went to see the Real Madrid versus Barcelona, which is the classical. Like this is like 
a bucket list for some people. And some people don't even know it exists, right? And so I was like, you need to experience it firsthand live so you understand why it's a bucket item. And if you get there, you cannot get there unless you have some sort of special connection with someone. So anyway, we get there and the game was March 1st. And this was like the first sort of um, eye-opening moment for me because March 1st is also my daughter's, was my daughter's seventh birthday. Mm. And we had been practicing with her to remember what her birth date was. And I'm like, oh, of all the years, this is the year <laughs> that she remembers is March 1st. And this is a year that she might always remember that I wasn't there for her birthday because I'm here in Spain. And sure enough, my daughter keeps throwing it in my face. Like you were not here for my birthday. Mm. This weekend, we were going to have this birthday party for her. It was very difficult. And at the same time, something that I had to sort of work through. It's like, yes, I wasn't here. I mean, I did FaceTime you from Real Madrid, like from the stadium. And, and yes, she spent her birthday by herself here with her grandmother who had flown from Miami. I said, but that same weekend we did this whole birthday party it was the last birthday party we did this year. And while we were there, we were at, at the cusp of Spain's pandemic and we didn't even know. And so we landed, we landed March 4th, I think. And the news were like, Spain is like, Spain is shut down completely. And first of all, I was mortified. I'm like, holy cow, we've got like 20 clients. Let's hope everybody's okay. And everybody was fine, which is so weird that nobody, um, nobody had any symptoms. We were all completely fine. That next week, the offices were shut down and we, we were all sent home. And then all of a sudden, your perspective changes, right? What was so important back then, which was, oh my God, my daughter, it's gonna, it's gonna hold me guilty forever and ever. All of a sudden it doesn't matter anymore, right? Now your, your entire world shifts. Now you're trying to figure out, okay, these kids are not going to school. I have to figure out this whole living from home and managing an entire team from, from screen without any touch points any uh, water cooler conversations, everything had to be almost sort of structured. And it takes a while to, to put in that structure. So from March on, it's been a complete different set of parameters, right? So, so although it was a huge highlight and a huge accomplishment to have executed this great trip, what happened afterwards and in the aftermath of this year has been a complete different set of circumstances that changed my perspective. And yet at the same time, it still strengthened some of my beliefs that have been at the core of who I am, right? It's always about the mindset and it's always about how do you see the world and it's your perspective in the world. So I guess in a nutshell, right? 2020 has been an opportunity for me to grow in ways that I never thought would be um, not possible, but in grow in ways that I never expected I would have to. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. 
It makes a lot of sense. I think that when we're confronted with challenging circumstances, and I say we as humanity, many people react to those challenging circumstances with retreat and others actually embrace it as an opportunity to either change, grow, or evolve. And it's a great segue into learning a bit more about your background and your upbringing. And um, I did just a slight bit of research on you and I've seen some things I'm kind of jealous of, to be honest, but going to school in Spain and traveling and going to so many places, you talked about your grandmother being uh, coming up from Miami. So I wanted to learn a little bit more about some of your early inspirations that have maybe shaped the personality and the growth mindset that you have. I don't take you as a person, again, kick my butt if I'm being too presumptive, but I don't take you as a person that sees challenge as something that will hinder you from progress. I see you as taking challenges head on, making the best of it, growing with those opportunities. And everyone doesn't have that skill set or personality trait. So I wanted to go on a journey with you about early influences on your life that have maybe shaped that type of approach that you bring into your relationships and also your profession. Yeah, it's a Oh, so let's go on a journey. Um, when I when I start when I grew up, I grew up in Mexico. So to start with, I've never taken things for granted because what you think is a permanent situation or a permanent state of mind has never been mine. Because I've always had change as my constant companion, always. And so, growing up, just to give you a perspective, um, I lived. We started. We moved to Mexico City. My dad is a physician, he's a doctor, and he was doing a specialty in Mexico City. My mom's family is from a different city called Guadalajara. And so we moved to Guadalajara when I was three until I was seven. And then at seven, we moved again to the north part of Mexico, which is Nogales. And if you see Nogales is border town with Nogales, Arizona. So I lived in the furthest point north of Mexico, but borderline with the United States. And while I was there, um, I went through all kinds of different schools. I went like fourth and fifth grade to one school, sixth to another school, seventh to another school. I decided I was gonna skip eighth grade and I went into high school and my high school or where I went to high school, it was a private Catholic school that was in Arizona. So I would cross the border every day wow. for, two, for two years. And then when I became a sophomore, my dad came home one day and said, we're moving to Chicago. And I was about to turn 15. And if you know about the culture, Hispanic culture, quinceañeras are like the big deal, right? And in my case, I didn't want a big fancy party. I actually wanted to travel. And I never got that opportunity because we moved. But by the time we moved, I almost thought like, woo, I get a chance to start all over again, like scratch everything that I did and I get to reinvent myself once again. For me, it was almost just like an MO, like, okay, let's go and then let's do this again, right? And so by the time we came to Chicago, it was a shocker, Jason. It's funny, like when we talk about diversity, equity and inclusion, right? I went to high school. First of all, I grew up in, a, in, in going to Catholic schools all my life. And so it, they were very small 
in, in very tiny groups. And it was the same group all the time, right? And I get to this high school, it's a public high school, it's like 500 students in my class. And I remember walking in and seeing 94 flags of the, of the representation of the students in the school. And I was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. And then I see like this Asian people and then I see like Indian people and I see black people and then I see like Russian people. And I was like, oh, wow, I, what is this? Because I've always been surrounded by Mexicans. I grew up in Mexico. So we were all Mexican, right? We all spoke Spanish. And all of a sudden there's all these different languages, all these different cultures. And to me, that was so fundamental in understanding that that's what I loved. It's the differences in the cultures that, that, that were so, in a way, um, fascinating and not so different to what I believe. So my first friends were, one was Russian, the other one for Latvia. Some of my best friends are like um, Korean. And we do have one connection that it's really difficult to explain and that is we're second generation, sometimes first generation immigrants. And that experience is a little different. Mm. The same reason is that you don't take things for granted, right? Like to me, this was like a marvelous world where like another person sees this as a nuance. Like, oh, all these people, they're not nice people or they're, they're not like me. To me, it's like, that's awesome. Like we're totally different, right? So that's kind of like my, the beginning of how I came into Chicago and understanding what Chicago was all about. I had no idea of the immense um, differences and or segregation that, in, that that this city was going through at the time. So we're talking like this was like early 90s when we first moved here. Mm. And so I decided I was going to uh, like focus on school, finish school. So I graduated really early. Like I, I graduated when I was 16 college and then, I, I mean, 16 high school. And then I went to college and I was 20 by the time I graduated, I couldn't even drink. But I had this like uh, chip that I was like, I need to finish, I need to finish. Like I need to just be done with it. But while I was there, I, went, I moved to Spain um, and did a whole, almost like a year in Seville. Mm back and graduated and I told myself that I would go back to Spain one more time but not as a student when I graduated and and I was looking for a job that's when I stumbled on uh, media <laughs> so it was it was not intentful it was the first job that I got out of college and I also stumbled in sales um, advertising sales so the first job I had was research assistant so mm -hmm. I would looking at numbers and demographics and category analysis so that we can position why Hispanics were important in this market. We're talking 1999. The census was about to come out and everybody was like, now more than ever, Hispanics are relevant because it's the growth market 20 years ago. You know, Jason, we're still doing that. I, I was, the same exact presentation with data and information and the basics, we're still doing it today, right? Like the, the needle hasn't changed that much. Um, but anyway, it taught me very important lessons, right? First of all, I've never felt that I sold in my life. I've always felt that I, if I inform and if I give you a solution to a problem that you have, 
then it's a win-win. Um, and that I think comes with experience, right? Now back to the original journey uh, and not so much into work. So sure enough, I turned 25 and I quit my job, told my parents I was moving, packed my bags and moved to Madrid, mm. just like that. So when you think about courage and um, challenges and taking them on head, to me, they are opportunities, right? To me, it's like, what do I have to lose? I don't have anything to lose. So what's, to, what's holding me back? And my biggest fear was to become old and have regrets. And that's the one thing I didn't want to do. So I was like, nope, I'm not going to regret anything, but not regrets in like the crazy way, but regrets that really matter. And so I moved to Spain and I was in Madrid and doing the one thing that I really was passionate about, which is flamenco. And while I was in Spain, I had a really huge cultural shock because although you think Spain is very similar to Mexico, it is not. Spaniards, it's like England and United States. It's completely different, right? Yeah. Spaniards think very different. Like I would say, hey, good morning. They're like, hostia, like, but what are you talking about? Like, you don't say good morning, right? Um, and their view of themselves, they view themselves as European. And I view us all as Latinos. Like we're, we're all like the same, like we're all descendants of the same sort of uh, ancestors specifically with language and history. And if you go to Mexico or Peru or anywhere in Latin America, the foundation came from Spain and you could just see it, right? So anyway, I got used to um, living in Spain and dancing and I ran out of money. And so I started tutoring <laughs> English and going to businesses um, and tutoring English. And these poor Spaniards were so confused because they were getting uh, mentored by Australians, English, and Americans. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, so how do you say I'm going on vacation? <laughs> I'm going on holiday? And I'm like, what are they talking about? Like, it's vacation. <laughs> really different. So even within my one year, it was a little bit more than one year, almost, almost two, a year and a half that I was in Madrid, understanding even the difference from just different locations was was pretty interesting. And at the same time, um, I also realized that I that that's not what I really wanted to do. I was really passionate about dance, but I wasn't passionate enough to give up everything else that I had left here. I had a um, I had an offer to go to Japan because ironically, Japanese love flamenco. And they wanted to be authentic, meaning there were some Japanese girls that danced beautifully, but they're Japanese. They're not authentic. You need to look the part mm -hmm. and to, to go to Japan for six months. And it was either I would go to Japan or just come back home. And that's when I decided, you know what, I'm coming home like this. This was this is a standby um, ex experience. It's not my life experience. And um, I fulfill what I was looking for. I, I, I think I got the answers that I needed and it was time to come back. And so pack my bags and move back. <laughs> so it's, 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 a, it's, it's one of those moments when I said, once I make a decision, I never look back and I haven't looked back since. 
I don't regret it. I think it was exactly what I needed to do when I needed to do. But it also taught me, right, that you can always start from scratch, no matter what. You can always pack and move and you will be okay. So I came back and that's how I started my journey at Univision. That's my that's my journey almost like in a nutshell. Um, it's been it's been probably why now to me it's so easy to adapt and to change and to see this as an opportunity like ooh let's see what else can we do how can we present better what can we add what what kind of shiny objects can we add virtually to make it uh, to make it stick to the people that are now um, on the other side of the screen um, for that reason, because I never had, um, I've never hold on to something that I couldn't let go. And it's good and it's also really bad. What I, there are a few things I picked up on in your journey. And one of them is this idea of, have you ever watched a movie named Fantastic Beasts? Have you ever watched that movie? So it's a fantasy film and there's a main character. And for folks that have watched it, he goes on a journey to many different worlds and he has this sort of suitcase with him. And wherever he goes, he picks up something new to put in this suitcase and it gives almost unlocks a new part of a different world or a different experience because of these collectible items that he's gathering. And when I'm hearing your story, I'm visualizing you with the suitcase. It's beginning in Mexico. It's, you know, then picking up some thoughts from your dad and your mom, then coming to Chicago, um, changing perspective on where you want to work, going to different places. And everywhere you go, you're picking up new perspective. So what I wanted to ask you to maybe advise on is the young Edna that's in the industry and or she is simply looking to find her way. I imagine as you went through all of those experiences, there was a central theme that guided you, that helped you stay the course. Because going from Flamenco to working at Telemundo, that isn't like a written path. It doesn't work out that way, you know? And so I maybe just wanted to get your perspective on if you were to talk to a young person that's maybe going through that journey of life discovering the balance of their artistic passion or their political passion or whatever it may be. And I love the way you said it. Maybe there are some realities that they have to contend with in order to maintain a healthy and prosperous household or a professional life. What would you tell that young person so that they don't lose their way, they maintain their passion, but they maybe find the joy and success that you found in your world? I would say it is a combination of a couple of things. The first one's always being honest with yourself. It is so difficult. It is so difficult to do that <laughs> because your head will always get in your way. You can always tell yourself a thousand stories, but when you're authentically honest with you and what makes you happy, and not happy in a, oh my God, this is so fun but peace, like I always search for peace, internal peace. 
when there are conflicts in your head or even in your emotions, that sense of conflict means that there's something that you're doing or that you're, or a path that you're searching or following that it's not in line with who you truly are. And that will always create um, almost like a negative emotion that is pulling you and you, and in your head, you're going to force yourself to say, no, this is the way, because I believe this is the way you're not listening to your, to your inner self. When you're at peace, like, like, I don't know if you can see, I'm at peace. Like I made peace with all the decisions that I made because I was honest. I was not going to force something that just wasn't meant to be there for me at the moment that it, that, that it was there. And I always believed, and I continue to believe this, every decision that I made, if I was to hop in a travel time capsule, go back to that time, because you know, like there's a lot of people are like, I wonder if, or what if I would have done this differently? Mm. Go back to that moment. I can guarantee you, I would have made the exact same decision based on the circumstances surrounding me at that moment. So I would tell my younger self the same thing. Trust that you're in the path that you are meant to be. I think it also, um, something that I would tell even my younger selves now, right? A lot also comes with discipline. And discipline is super important in the sense of um, no matter what I was doing, I always, always aim to do the best I could, whether I agree with it or not whether I was thrown in a situation that was challenging for me, I was still gonna try to do the best I could. And the outcomes have always been positive because of that, right? Because I always gave my best. And sometimes my best ended up in a completely different turn of events that I probably didn't intend for it to go that way. But the end result, it's still a positive one, whether it's a learning lesson or not, right? Because it comes from a honest place, not from some sort of conflict. I love that. I love that. It's also, for me, it makes me think about being comfortable with not always getting it right on that journey. Sometimes I'll speak on behalf of myself. I wish I could say that if I were telling my younger self, that every decision he made was the right one. I wish I could say that, but and that, oh my gosh, I made some poor ones in the past. But, but. Look at where be- you're at today. But the beauty, like you said, is trusting the journey, you know? And also when you, at least for me, when I've experienced some type of failure, looking at it as an opportunity to evolve. And so while I heard your story and how you've grown and become such a great person that you are today. I think a lot of people, young and old, are confronted with how do I deal with failure? How do I deal with not getting it right? And I love to hear, if you don't mind, any stories or perspective that you may have encountered where you may categorize it as failure. And I don't mean failure in terms of anyone else's perspective. I'm not talking about judgment. I'm talking about when you looked inward and you go, there was something that didn't quite hit the mark for me. However, I learned from it, I built on it, and I grew from it. I love to hear an experience that you may have had 
that may reflect failure, but played a tremendous role in shaping who you are today? Um, well, there's so many. <laughs> Where I really find the lessons, interestingly enough, is in dancing. So you know how you like it's when you when you are in a business setting, people think it's either or. And to me, it's both. I always carry my art and my lessons in art with me in every single business scenario that I'm in, ironically. And I can dig into that, but let's go into the failure. One night in Madrid, I was asked to be part of um, a show. And that's a big deal. Like now you're now you're talking like, okay, I'm in the big leagues now. I'm making this and uh, and I was invited to be part of it. But I didn't know the rules of engagement that well. And I didn't ask, right? I was just, I just went with it. And I thought, okay, my pure talent is just going to take me through. And didn't really quite practice as much as I needed to practice. I thought I could just wing it. I mean, these are professionals. I mean, they're just like singing it, right? So I was distracted because at the same time, my family was visiting. And it was just like the best moment to showcase what I had done and like they could see me like dancing performing at night and there's one thing that I did that I didn't know at the time was terrible and that is the moment the show is done uh, or the, the moment I was done dancing I never turned around to thank the musicians or the singer and little did I know that that was the most offensive thing you can do to a singer or a musician is thank them. Like they are your partners, right? Like they're actually, like you guys are creating music and art and yet you took a bow for yourself and never turned around and thanked them. And whatever the night went, went by, when I heard that feedback afterwards and that they never wanted to invite me again because they found it so offensive, like how dare I, how obnoxious I had been, I was mortified. I was like, well, I didn't do it on purpose. It's not like I didn't want to thank them. I was so nervous and I didn't know that this is something that I, you needed to do. So I always remember that because even in the settings today, right? It is my team that I have to be thankful for. It is the production people that I thank. It is the news department. And it's everybody that surrounds it somehow affect my sales delivery that are probably in the in in the in the shadows that they never get those recognitions, right? That normally we would. And so it's always in my head. It like I remember that. I also remember um, the second lesson, which is this happened because I didn't ask. <laughs> I didn't say what are the rules of engagement. Like I I just assumed wrongly assumed that. This always happens like this. What you do, you go, you show, you dance, and off you go. Hmm. It's not the case. And in so many cases, all you had to do was just ask, like, hey, uh, am I supposed to wear such and such? How, what, what are the rules of engagement? And so those are two key lessons. And it was just one instance, right? One night, one show. By the way, I was never invited again to the show. <laughs> that's, how, that's how bad it was. But it was also towards the end and I was already, I had already made a decision anyway, but, but interestingly, um, those are the things that actually um, always, 
always live in the back of my mind. It, it was, it was so, I was so mortified that it, it's almost like if I could go back in time, right? But like I'm telling you, if I would have gone back in time, I would have done the exact same mistake because I didn't know. Now I know, right? That, that's, that's the beauty of experience is that experience gives you that. And you have a choice. You can either beat yourself for it or learn from it. And in my case, there's a saying, I don't know if uh, you remember the Lion King. One mm-hmm. of my favorite of the Lion King, Rafiki tells um, Simba, right? Um, that this is your dad, whatever, whatever. And so he's like, oh, I, I've been so caught up in myself that I, I, I didn't realize, right? That my dad lives in me and Rafiki hits him. And he goes, why did you do that? And then he tries hitting him again. And he's like, because you learn from your mistakes, right? Like he, he, um, he teaches you uh, like that one lesson, right? It's like, don't beat yourself for it. Like you already suffered once, move on, but take the lessons. Like that's the price you pay, right? Move forward with it. While it seems very natural to you, I think is an understated value to many others, which is simply asking in relationships, simply asking, what is it that you value? What is it that triggers certain reactions from you? What seems to be important to you? Simply asking can create an amazing gateway to harmonious relationships. And it's been something that I can't say I've always known, but I couldn't agree with you more. And Oh man, if we one day we'll have to meet up in normal world and continue that dialogue because it's really been a place where I found a lot of success Edna, is asking questions with intention, not just to ask the question, but you really want to know and you really want to connect. And it brings me to a thought for us as parents. For me in 2020, I've been in a space where I've sort of had to confront my shortcomings face up because I'm at home, I'm with my kids a lot more and I can see me in them a bit more than I could when I was on a plane or I was at the office and I wasn't spending as much time with them. So a lot of this year and my growth has actually come from the time that I've spent with my children. And it's also, which we can go into this topic if it strikes a nerve. It also made me really realize a tremendous sort of gender disparity in child rearing in our country, the United States. So I think I wanted to maybe ask you an open-ended question as being a successful professional. And from what I've gathered, also a successful working mother, how have you sort of balanced those uh, duties this year, being at home, working, um, you know, doing great work with your children and your family. And also, I'm sure no one at Univision is cutting down a workload. So you're balancing all of it. I love to have you talk a bit about that. And the reason I'm asking, it, it is an intentional question. I'm asking because I see this moment, 2020, as a great opportunity for people not to return to normal. Normal was, you know, I had a great dialogue with a male friend of mine and he goes, I'm disappointed that I've lived 40 plus years thinking that my, my value was 
to work 90% of the time and my wife is at home taking care of the family. Like that's such a backwards way of thinking about how we work in our society. And so I'm asking that question because I'm very curious for great successful women like you that are great successful moms, how was this year shaped their perspective that you have on that balance? And what would you like to see as we go into hopefully a, a brighter future as we come out of this crazy, crazy year that we've all experienced? So honestly, I'm super excited <laughs> that um, we probably won't come back to what it used to be. Um, from my perspective, I felt like I was running a hundred miles per hour, rushing all the time. And it is, and it's not just a Latina mom, it's a mom in general. Um, when you feel that you're not giving enough to either side, right? When, when like I was, I was rushing outside of the office to pick up the kids for the after school. I mean, not only were they in school, but then they were in after school to just grab them. By then it was 6.30, dinner, shower, go, right? And, and then in the morning, it was the same thing. I would have to like rely on friends to drop them off early so that I could be in the office early because, and what I used to tell my husband was, it's so nice for you, like you're an individual contributor when you are the head of a department and you're telling your people be there on time, well, it's not like you can just stroll in, like you walk the walk, right? Like you lead by example. So I was the first one in the office, the last one to leave. It's really tough. And when the when when we were forced to to come here, there was a thought in my head. I was like, how funny is this? I had told myself, remember how I told you that I was gonna do this when I was 25? I remember telling myself, Somewhere between my son turning 10 and 13, I'm going to make a change because I want to be there in those years. So I sacrificed the little years where they're in preschool and, and they don't have concept of time. But as kids start getting older, I don't want them by themselves, coming home to them by themselves or, or having to stay in after school programs all the time and start uh, rejecting and resenting the fact that I work so hard. And I had, I had said this, right. And I was trying to find a way to consolidate my thoughts into my actions. Like what would be then my next action? And then this happened. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm not rushing out of the office to pick them up. I am. Yes. I am juggling this whole e-learning situation, but even then we found a, uh, group of parents. And so we learned, we, we went back to our daycare provider and said, Hey, would you take these kids? And just, all you have to do is just supervise that they're doing their learning because I realized I cannot do both, right? I cannot work and be a teacher as well, or be a support, technical support for the kids. And so we came to that conclusion. And I have to say, it's interesting because talk about women and empowered. The reason why I can do what I can do is because I also have a great husband who steps up and does the other half, right? Like we both complement each other in that way. Like he's the one that drops off the kids to the learning pots. He's the one that picks them up. He was traveling to a lot last year and we're all, we're both grounded and it doesn't, I would have, I would have not been able to do it 
by myself because I would have probably seeked other solutions that were probably more complicated for me. <laughs> and he has a way of saying, no, 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 like this, this works, like this, this will make it easier on both of us. And so at the end, the balance became so clear to me. It's like, if I'm here, I'm going to be here hundred percent. There is no halfway through it, right? Like when I do something, I do something solely and a hundred percent, like I'm here with you and only with you right now. And then I'm going to move on to something else. And then I'm moving on to something else. Had I had my kids in the background with e-learning, th this couldn't have happened because then my other half is like, no, but I have to help them because they're math homework or whatever, right? So I know that there's a lot of people struggling, struggling the same way that I am in the same way that you probably are, right? Like, I feel like I don't believe one, one ways more than the other. And you're absolutely right in that sometimes in, in our upbringing, we tend to focus on, okay, you're the, you're the boy and you're going to lead because you're the man of the house. And I'm like, no, <laughs> we've got the man and the woman of the house. And we both sort of pull our own weight and it's, it's an even kill, right? Like it's 50-50 it's and that's how it goes. It doesn't go the other way either. Like I don't tell him like, well, you should be putting more on your part because I'm doing this side um, and vice versa. It's mutual respect as human beings and as professionals that actually work. Now I granted that doesn't happen often. Like I've lived it through and this is one, probably one of the biggest lessons from this year is that not everybody went through this pandemic the same way. Right. And strengths from people shined further in this environment and weaknesses of people also <laughs> came stronger in this pandemic. So the people that were already struggling are struggling even more. Mm -hmm. and, and people that you see the resilience and like the, the perseverance to like just move forward also shines through more. And you figure it out, right? Like I have a, one, of the, one of the managers that works with me, she's single, she's got two kids, one of them with special needs. Mm -hmm. And I see her struggle every day as we're in, like, as we're in meetings and it's a mindset. Her mindset is I'm gonna make this work, right? Like no matter what, like this is gonna work. And, Ultimately, it all comes down to that, right? It's 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 your state of mind. Like, where are you and where you're going to be? It's only up to you and the obstacles that you bring to yourself or opportunities that you bring to yourself. I love it. I love it. Well, as we close, I always ask folks one last question. And, and uh, oh my gosh, I this has been for me the most enjoyable conversation I've had. No disrespect to anyone else I've spoken to, <laughs> but I feel like you are a, a breath of aspiration and how you think about what you want to be, where you are today, and limitless opportunities in front of you. And you're also a person of intention I love the fact that you restated something that I'm a big believer in, which is being present, you know, allowing yourself to focus on your energy on time and space, give it your all, and then you move on to the next thing. So the final question that I always ask my friends that give me this time is, 
if you were to capture a mantra or words that you live by that you would like to explore or share with others, uh, what would that mantra or what would those words to live by, what would they sound like? A mantra? Um, it's interesting because it's not a permanent mantra. Like, you know how things change. So to describe this year, my mantra has been empathy above all and being thankful for the things that we have and don't worry about the ones that you don't have.